WSJM News Now. This is the 5 o'clock News Block on News Talk Sports 94.9 WSJM. Brought to you by Special Light in Decatur and Benton Harbor. There's a good chance you've walked through a Special Light door when you go to a local restaurant, school, store, or plant. In the newsroom, I'm Andrew Green. Governor Gretchen Whitmer has officially accepted her nomination to represent the Democratic Party on the ballot this November. Whitmer spoke Sunday at the Michigan Democratic Party Convention in Lansing. She explained the reason why she's seeking another term as governor. Now, I dare say I don't believe there has been another time in the history of our state that has seen as many challenges as we have had to confront. And over the last few months, I've been often asked, why on earth do I want to keep doing this work? And for me, the answer is simple. Tough times call for tough leadership. Lieutenant Governor Garland Gilchrist, Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson, and Attorney General Dana Nessel also accepted their nominations. The Republican Party convention will be this coming weekend. Meanwhile, the Michigan Republican gubernatorial ticket it has now been set as candidate Tudor Dixon has chosen former state lawmaker Shane Hernandez from Port Huron to be a running mate. Janelle Leonard with Lansing-based Marketing Resource Group says that Hernandez is a good fit. Having known Shane for several years when he was in the House of Representatives and having worked with him on his congressional campaign, too, I know that he has a heart of public service, a heart to serve the people of Michigan. So him choosing to say yes and join the ticket does not surprise me at all. Hernandez is a former chair of the State House Appropriations Committee. According to Leonard, was he was once ranked as one of the most conservative members of the state legislature. Hernandez will be formally nominated during the Republican convention this coming weekend. Meanwhile, Democrat Joseph Alfonso will appear on the November general election ballot for Congress in Michigan's 4th District. Although there were no Democrats on the primary ballot to face off against against Congressman Bill Heisinger in November, Alfonso received enough write-in votes to qualify for the ballot in November. That was the recommendation Friday from Michigan Bureau of Elections Director Jonathan Brader to the Board of State Canvassers, which certified the primary result. Brader said with new districts, election workers faced challenges around the state. This was a difficult environment for our clerks just because of the environment out there. There's a lot of harassment and there was a lot of baseless claims being made about our election officials and public servants. So with all of that in consideration, especially, I think our clerks did a really excellent job of administering this election. I'd like to commend both the county and municipal clerks and their staff, along with all of our election workers. Brader said Alfonso received more than 10,000 write-in votes to run as a Democrat against Heisinger. To qualify for the November ballot, he said Alfonso would have needed about 3,000. Alfonso is a Marine Corps veteran and city inspector who lives in Holland. The new 4th District includes parts of Berrien County, all of Van Buren and Allegan counties, as well as parts of Kalamazoo, Calhoun, and Ottawa counties. Southwestern Michigan College has officially renewed its athletics program with a dedication ceremony for its new athletics facility, the First Source Bank Fieldhouse. SMC President Joe Odenwald tells us that's after SMC brought back athletics over the last two years with cross-country, basketball, volleyball, and wrestling. It's really an exciting time for SMC Athletics coming back after 26 years out. We're doing so in style and in fashion, and we're excited about it. The Fieldhouse at SMC's Dwajak campus features a court, video scoreboards, new locker rooms, a training room, and the second floor McLaughlin Family Foundation's sweet skybox. Odenwald says this starts to help him fulfill a promise he made to the athletes. I met with 100 recruits in the last year in this office, and I said, I can make you two promises. Number one, you're going to play in the best facilities in Region 12 of the National Junior College Athletic Association. Number two, I will assure you, you will not play in an empty gym in a quiet court. 
Odenwald says getting the athletics teams back and the sports facility ready have been a long time in the making. He notes general admission to athletic events will be free all season. He wants to see all 525 seats full. The issues of the Asian carp, the threat that it poses to the Great Lakes, and how the fish is stopped from reaching the lakes are the focus of the latest video from popular British YouTuber Tom Scott. He's made He has more than 5 million subscribers on the platform as he travels around the world to showcase interesting topics. His video today took Scott to the Chicago and ship Sanitary Ship Canal, where the Army Corps electrifies the water to turn the Asian carp around. And the lakes are connected to the Illinois River and the carp in one place, the canals of Chicago. This here is the choke point, the Chicago Sanitary and Ship Canal. The fish would have to come through here, which is why this water is electrified. The Army Corps engineers talk in the video about how the system works. It forces the fish to turn around or dazes them when they swim into the electrified areas. Scientists say if the Asian carp were to get into Lake Michigan, they would out-eat native fish species, reducing their numbers and damaging the fishing industry. The Bridgman Corridor Improvement Authority is seeking to spruce up a downtown courtyard with some art. It's applied to the Michigan Municipal League Foundation for a $5,000 Bridge Builders Main Street microgrant that would pay for the high school art club to design and execute a rug mural in the courtyard along Lake Street and Vine Street. It says the space could be used for live music to attract more people to the downtown on Sundays. The authority says the project will, quote, shine a light on our youth's artistic talent and its completion will impact a much-needed public gathering space, adding getting kids involved will help them to have pride in the community. Anyone can vote on which micro-grant the MML approves at its website. We'll have a link to vote for Bridgman at our website. In all, nine communities are competing for the grants. And... Group of Southwest Michigan musicians has written an ode to the old Shadowland Ballroom in Silver Beach Amusement Park in St. Joseph. The Mystery Forest Band, consisting of Southwest Michigan natives Rich Oberhue, Michael Roberts, Bill Shinneman, finally recalls memories of music, dancing, and other fun. I still remember 1966, the hardest place for us to Groups also released a music video to accompany the song featuring old photos of Shadowland and the amusement park. To watch the video, you can go to our website. WSJM News Now continues with your Bloomberg report. WSJM News Now continues. Threats against federal law enforcement remain a serious concern following the FBI raid at former President Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago estate in Florida this month. But a lack of social media chatter is calling for the violence. It's not a sign the worst is over. ABC's Aaron Katursky explains. Those threats do persist. So does the online conversation calling for attacks on the FBI. But in recent days, we got a look at a new analysis of all of this, and it said that those threats were subsiding. The online conversation uh, was still there, but it wasn't as robust as it was. One chilling fact, though, some of those who were calling for attacks on the FBI were just telling followers, just do it. Don't talk about it. Don't tip off anybody. Just go ahead and attack. A federal judge has acknowledged that red actions to an FBI affidavit spelling out the basis for the search of former President Trump's estate might be so extensive as to make the document meaningless if it's released to the public. But he said today he continued to believe it should not remain sealed in its entirety because of the public interest in the ongoing criminal investigation. A written order from the judge, Bruce Reinhardt, largely restates what he said in court last week when he directed the Justice Department to propose red actions 
about information in the affidavit. It wants to remain secret. That submission is due Thursday at noon. Speaking to ABC News, days after her losing her primary election, Republican Congresswoman Liz Cheney says she's creating a political action group aimed at keeping Donald Trump out of the White House, and she's considering her own White House run. As for the remainder of her term in the House, Cheney says she's focused on wrapping up her work on the January 6th committee. ABC's Catherine Falders in Washington has more. Sources that I've been talking to for months on this have said it's not a matter of if they call Trump to testify, it's a matter of when. And then, of course, you get into the deliberations with his team. Do they want to invite him to testify publicly? Sources have told me that they don't know if they want to give him that platform. So does he testify behind closed doors? Cheney said something interesting. She said that his testimony before them would have to be under oath. In states including Texas, Ohio, and Indiana, some college students say new abortion restrictions are influencing their personal and political behavior as they return to campus. Some students say they're changing their sexual behavior, being more careful about using contraceptives, keeping emergency contraception on hand, or thinking about how they would respond to a pregnancy. More publicly, the U.S. Supreme Court decision overturning the landmark Roe v. Wade ruling this summer is energizing student activism by both opponents and supporters of abortion rights. The countdown clock has begun for Dr. Anthony Fauci. Today, he announced plans to step down from his high-profile duties at the White House and the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases in a few months. More from Justin Finch. Dr. Fauci says after more than 50 years of government service, he's not retiring, but instead is pursuing the next phase of his career while he still has the energy and passion. This December, the 81-year-old plans to leave his roles as the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Disease Director and White House Chief Medical advisor. Before the COVID-19 pandemic, Fauci played critical parts in guiding the U.S. response to past health crises, including HIV-AIDS and the Ebola virus. Justin Finch, ABC News, Washington. A Ukrainian general says Russia's invasion has already killed 9,000 Ukrainian soldiers and their children must be taken care of. Meanwhile, the fighting on Monday showed no signs of the nearly six-month war abating. The southern city of Nikopol was hit by shelling again, part of a relentless Russian barrage since January, July 12th. Russia, for its part, blamed Ukrainian spy agencies for a car bombing in the outskirts of Moscow over the weekend that killed the daughter of a far-right Russian nationalist. Ukraine has denied any involvement in the car bombing. Russia has asked the U.N. Security Council to discuss the situation around a nuclear power plant under threat. Both sides blame each other for shelling near the plant. There's a new survey which has some troubling information regarding young people and drug use. More from ABC's Derek Dennis. A study from the National Institutes of Health says marijuana and hallucinogen use among young adults, 19 to 30 years old, reached an all-time high last year. That's compared to 5 to 10 years ago. Nicotine vaping rates have been gradually increasing over the past four years, except for a brief leveling off period in 2020. And in the past month, according to the study, vaping rates among young adults for marijuana Marijuana use rebounded to pre-pandemic levels. Derek Dennis, ABC News. A Virginia man has been arrested on charges linking him to the January 6th riot at the U.S. Capitol, but he's already been in the spotlight after police say he drove a Hummer containing guns to Philadelphia to interfere with the 2020 presidential election. Court documents state that Antonio Lamato was arrested Tuesday in southeastern Virginia. He faces misdemeanor offenses, including illegal entry and disorderly conduct at the U.S. Capitol in January 2021. Meanwhile, LaMotta is facing trial in Philadelphia this October. Prosecutors there say LaMotta and another man arrived at a vote-counting site in a Hummer packed with AR-15-type rifles, ammunition, and other weapons. 
And drought affected lakes and rivers in Italy are revealing surprises from the past. More from ABC's Megan Williams. Rome's historic Tiber River has revealed ruins built almost 2,000 years ago. Water levels have plummeted to a record low, exposing the remains of a bridge that might have been commissioned by the first century Emperor Nero. In northern Italy, World War II shipwrecks have emerged from the country's longest river, the Po. Climate change hasn't just caused the worst drought in decades, but also wildfires and storms. 13 people were killed last week in Europe, with two here in Italy from falling trees. High winds swept through Venice, blowing cafe umbrellas across St. Mark's Square and dislodging brickwork. Megan Williams, ABC News, Rome. WSJM News Now continues with your weather forecast.